have needs and desires and seek to discover our own erotic journey, you've come to the right place. This is Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver, presented by SDC. In the next hour, we're here to answer your burning questions about relationships, sexuality, and health from the leading sex experts and professionals. Now, here is your host, Lexi Silver. Hi, everyone. Welcome to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. Are you interested in non-monogamous relationships? Do you want to know what polyamory is and what different types of polyamorous relationships look like? Do you want to know how polyamory can work for you and how to manage some potential conflicts to maintain a healthy poly relationship? Join me with my special guest, Dr. Eli Sheff, PhD, researcher, expert witness, coach, speaker, ASEX certified sex educator, educational consultant, and published author. Before we kick off our discussion today with Dr. Eli about having a healthy poly relationship, I just want to thank our sponsor, SDC.com, your and my expert source of exclusive information about sex, health, and relationships, where you'll get access to a massive international network and dating platform of over 3 million members worldwide. We have a unique edition of Seek, Discover, Create for you today. Joining me, Lexi Silver, is my special guest, Dr. Eli Sheff, PhD. She has a PhD in sociology and is an ASEX certified sex educator and consultant. She's well known as the world's foremost academic expert on polyamorous families with children. Her 20 plus year polyamorous family study is the only longitudinal study of poly families with children to date pretty impressive. She's also a three-time published author of the amazing books, The Polyamorous Next Door, Stories from the Polycule, and When Someone You Love is Polyamorous. You can also read her regular blog in Psychology Today. Welcome, Dr. Eli. Thank you so much for being on my show today. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure seeing you at Sex Down South, and you had such an amazing way of presenting the material. You really gave me a lot more information than I ever thought I could know about non-monogamy and polyamory. And uh, yeah, you're definitely the most qualified person known to man right now, and woman, and anyone uh, that can come to uh, to explain to us exactly what polyamory is. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. So I know a lot of people who are listening are interested in different kinds of non-monogamous relationships, and I feel personally, and I could be wrong about this, but it seems that some people seem to be gravitating a little bit more towards some version of ethical non-monogamy than previously. So have you noticed any trends in openness and consensual non-monogamy? Absolutely. Um, More people are definitely trying it and considering it than probably ever before, I would say. And there's more different ways to be consensually non-monogamous now than they're used to. So it's, it's incredibly popular, I think, in part because people are marrying much later mm. than they used to. So they've got this long dating life now where just because you've had sex with someone doesn't mean you're together, together, you know, like you're committed. So you have while you're dating, you have to have discussions of, okay, so what does this mean? Are we committed? Are we together? You have to discuss monogamy now in a way that you never did before. And I think that's kind of interesting because where monogamy used to be, and maybe and still is in a lot of cases, that, that rule, it's it's very traditional way of thinking. Um, and most people tend to enter into relationships with that idea that it is going to be a monogamous relationship. So it's nice that people are starting to open up that dialogue before they get serious with someone. Uh, also a saying, you know, hey, is this a type of a relationship type that we want for that sure? And living longer. Now people, you know, you could be, if you marry somebody at 30, you could be looking at 70 years of only ever having sex with that person. Ever Holy shit. For the rest of your life. I know. <laughs> a lot of people are like, oh, you know, and realize that monogamy for 70 years, for some people, that's awesome. And it's mm-hmm. it really perfectly with their personal orientation. Like, it's the desire for monogamy for them is not something they can change. But for other people, polyamory or being in multiple relationships is an orientation and not something they can change. 
So for some people, the 70 years of monogamy sounds fantastic, perfect. For others, it's like, ooh, I might not be able to sustain them realistically. So maybe we should talk about some alternatives because we really like each other. We want to stay together. But 70 years is a long time never to have sex with anybody else. So how about we approach it directly instead of hurting each other and then being in trouble and maybe breaking up over it when we could instead stay together and work it out. For polyamory, not everybody's married, for one thing. Um, and it's much more gender equitable or gender neutral. It doesn't, in theory, matter what, you know, what gender you are. Like, you, you can have other partners. Your partner can have other partners. It doesn't... In theory, now, sometimes people do have a one penis policy where a man tries to say, you know, like, <laughs> oh, sure, we can have other partners, you know, as long as they're, you can have women partners, but not male partners. And that doesn't tend to last very long. That's a controlling, weird thing that evolves a lot but ironically i hardly ever hear about the one vagina policy i have asked <laughs> around i have done some research on it and only one person in my many queries on social media and poly groups everywhere i always ask only one person has heard ever of a one vagina policy but every time i bring it up Somebody's like, oh, yeah, one penis policy. My friends or my somebody I know or whatever. Somehow I'm not surprised about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who knew? Yeah, who knew? So <laughs> you, you said something uh, interesting there because that, uh, that making that policy, I, I feel, has a lot to do with, you know, uh, different boundaries and different kinds of relationship types within polyamory. So what are the ki different kinds of polyamorous relationships and who are the, the players involved? When I don't want to say players, like, you know, players. Right, right. <laughs> um, I I, let's start with solo poly, okay. which is one person who dates around and isn't necessarily looking for a primary partner, doesn't necessarily want to organize their life around a romantic relationship, or hasn't met that person yet. And isn't really, or is just in a phase of their life where they're not looking for for anything serious, but they want love and attention and affection and sex and sometimes serious and ongoing relationships that last for like 20, 30 years. Some people have these very long solo poly relationships. So it doesn't mean being alone so much as like being single in the way that you're not coupled up with someone else, but you have people solo poly. interesting okay I, I feel a lot of people might be falling in that category might not realize that they would be considered solo poly yes it's also very closely aligned with relationship anarchy mm -hmm. pretty similar a lot of solo poly people identify with that um or some people just date that way but i guess the difference is with solo poly you're your partners probably hang out with each other too, to some hmm. extent. Like that's what distinguishes polyamory in general from other kinds of consensual non-monogamy is that the partners tend to know each other and hang out. There's a lot more investment in what polyamorous people call metamors, mm -hmm. which is your partner's partner. Um, like swingers don't really do that. They don't get emotionally connected to other people or sometimes they do, but it's not generally the goal and sometimes it's explicitly forbidden. Yes. To develop emotions for somebody else. Sometimes they live with other partners, in which case they're a triad or a three person relationship or a quad with four people, a moresome has five or more. <laughs> and the bigger the relationship gets, the more rare it is. Mm -hmm. So there aren't that many moresomes, especially living together. But there are a lot of intimate networks where people, or some people call them polycules, where mm -hmm. 
people are connected, but not everybody lives with each other and not everybody's having sex with everybody else. Like some people are having sex, you know, like there'll be a group of like 11 people and people are having sex with different people, but not other people are platonic mm-hmm. relationships, which I call polyaffective. I made up that word. When the, when the metamor relationships between the outer partners who aren't having sex um, are in good shape, those people like each other and communicate well, then they can hold the family together for a long time. But when the metamors don't like each other, or when there's a lot of conflict in the polyaffective relationships, it's not going to work over the long haul. Hmm. I've seen that multiple times. Like the polyaffective relationships make or break the family. Huh. Okay. Uh, that's, that's very interesting. It's, n- it's, not a, um, uh, it's not the most obvious uh, type of conflict that could occur right. in, in polyamory. You would expect right. that it's the, 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 you know, the lovers, the, the, the individuals who are involved with each other sexually, that might actually uh, be the, uh, the, the breaking point if, if something doesn't work out. How do people first get into these polyamorous relationships? Is it just like a natural progression from non-monogamy or do people just kind of dive headfirst into it from having only ever had monogamous relationships you know all sorts of different ways some people it kind of accidentally happens to them like I've spoken to several different couples who kind of fell in love with their best friend and didn't see it coming and weren't looking for it Hmm. didn't try to make it happen on purpose it just kind of like the three of them fell in love And they were like, oh, this has a name. Who knew? Other people are doing this. Wow. (laughs) Um, For other people, they hear about it often in the media or online and then go look for it, think about it, and, you know, either talk to their existing partner about it or think that's something they might be interested and start looking for, like, polyamorous meetups, which meetup has changed a lot for the polyamorous community because it's so much easier to just kind of dabble in Mm -hmm. it now to go to a meeting and see what you think and talk to other people and just be like, Hey, what's up with this? Then, you know, 20, 25 years ago when I started studying this, it was, you had to look hard, you know, Mm -hmm. you had to like go to a conference in California (laughs) and then you had to buy buy a plane (laughs) ticket and fly out there and then rent a car because it was a, Harbin Hot Springs, which was in the middle of nowhere. And, you, you know, like, it just took so much more investment. It was so much harder to get to. And there are still those conferences, and they're actually a lot of fun. But um, you can just go to a meetup for, like, an hour and a half and kind of, you know, with no <laughs> plane ticket. So. Oh, wow. That's a, it's a very cool evolution. And I'm sure technology has a lot to do with how people are able to connect more easily with each other and find uh, their group, uh, their, oh, yeah. you know, their tribe. Which speaks to your first question about, is this becoming more common? And I would say, yes, the internet has changed everything. That and dating sites, it's mm-hmm. so much easier to find people and so much so that dating sites have really recognized non-monogamy as an element. I mean, some of them not. I think there's a, a like a, a Christian one that wouldn't have, you know, <laughs> married and looking for more partners. But right. like, okay, Cupid and, you know, there's lots of dating sites that do that. For sure. I know, well, SDC is obviously one of them were uh, one of the biggest uh, swinger or non-monogamous dating sites. And uh, polyamory is, uh, polyamorous relationships are definitely fostered there as well. Um, I know it doesn't always start with, um, you're, like you said, it kind of happens almost by accident. Go figure, right? You accidentally right. fall into this like multiple person relationship. <laughs> but I, I'm sure it happens. It's a, the, it, does. I, I, <laughs> it does. And I mean, it's... it's well, the widespread practice of it is new. Mm-hmm. 
the occurrence of it is not new. So we're just going to take a really quick break. And when we get back, I really want to talk about how a couple could venture into polyamory and the kinds of things that they should start talking about. So if you're enjoying my show and you want to learn more about relationships, sex, and health and find new ways to spice up your sex life, check out sdc.com. We'll guide you on your erotic journey with unlimited access to videos, podcasts, and articles from experts like Dr. Jess, Sunny Megatron, and Charlie and Ariane Williams. Visit sdc.com to discover and connect with your own erotic tribe and explore more at SDC events, parties, and travel destinations. With hot and fresh content added daily, you'll have tons of resources to start your exploration and continue along your path to self-discovery. Join over 3 million of our SDC members worldwide to seek, discover, and create with us today. Don't forget to use promo code 7070 for two months of free access to SDC.com. That's 7070 to get two months free at SDC. You're listening to the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure. Personalized. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to lexi at sdc.com. That's L-E-X-I at sdc.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Welcome back to SDCBC. Whoa. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver. I'm joined with my special guest, Dr. Eli Sheff, PhD, researcher, expert witness, coach, speaker, ASEC certified sex educator, educational consultant, and published author. And we just had a great conversation, and we're just getting started, talking about different kinds of polyamorous relationships and how it's becoming a little bit more open for us to be talking about this kind of non-monogamous relationship. So here we are talking about how we could accidentally, theoretically, fall into this amazing uh, construct. And I want to know what happens if one person in a couple wants some version of polyamory and the other doesn't. So in non, any kind of non-monogamous relationship, it's not always true that the partner, both partners see eye to eye about what it is they want. So starting with just a couple, two people, how, how can you get into that um, mindset where you're starting to agree on what their polyamorous relationship would look like? You know, it varies so much depending on orientations of the people if they've been together for a long time and one of them is like hey I just found out about this do you want to check out non-monogamy or I've really wanted this for a long time and suppressed it but I really feel like I can't keep squashing it down anymore what do you think if their partner um is either open already open to polyamory or um, flexible, like has a flexible orientation. That can be kind of fun and exciting and interesting and um, just really engaging, you know, mm-hmm. to just think about and talk about and consider it. It tends to go much better if you bring it up first say, hey, honey, what do you think about doing this? Instead of, oh, honey, I've been cheating on you for two years. How about we (laughs) include her in the relationship now? That doesn't tend to go over very well. But I haven't done anything with anyone else yet, and I wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Could be if that person is open open to that or has a flexible orientation or is poly by orientation themselves, could be fantastic. The people I tend to see in my coaching practice is where one person is poly by orientation 
and can't set it aside. And the mm-hmm. other person is monogamous by orientation and just feels very upset and, and just destroyed by their mm-hmm. partner's desire for non-monogamy because they liked the monogamy. It suits them. Either they just really like it or maybe they're monogamous by orientation and mm-hmm. can't really change that part of themselves. So what, what happens then when a couple can't agree or they, you know, it, whether, no matter how long they've been together, but one is, let's say, poly by, or, you know, has a, a more poly orientation. The other one's more uh, in a monogamous uh, state of mind and, and doesn't want that. Can a couple survive that kind of difference? Um, occasionally, depending on how they handle it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people who are monogamous by orientation um, don't want other partners themselves, but as long as they feel very well loved and satisfied and it's a good relationship for them and they're getting their needs met, then they might not mind their partner having other partners. That's like a monopoly relationship where one pe- one person has other partners and the other person doesn't. They could but they just don't want to. They're not in that mood, but they're, they're happy and content and the relationship really suits them. Like their relation, their monogamous relationship with their partner, they feel really good in that and that can work. When they hate it and give in and don't feel well-loved, feel mm-hmm. like they're kind of gritting their teeth and just kind of, hoping it'll go away and like their needs are not getting met and all of the good yumminess in the relationship is redirected to this other person, that is not going to work at all. That is going to tank rapidly. And I've seen it over and over. So if somebody really wants polyamory, then make sure, and you're already in a couple Make sure your partner knows that you love them, that you treat them well, you listen to them, their needs really matter to you, Mm -hmm. and you focus on meeting those needs because then they're much more likely to be open to sharing you with someone else. But if somebody's starving and then you're like, hey, give me half that cookie I just gave you, (laughs) they're going to be like, screw you, this is my cookie. But if they've got tons of cookies... Then they can share their cookie. Sure, there's three more where that came from. You can have the whole cookie. That's an awesome way of understanding that idea. And it obviously doesn't make for a healthy relationship for anybody if one partner feels completely neglected. So, yeah, yeah, no. um, It's not healthy even in a monogamous relationship, of course, if somebody feels neglected. No. So that brings up a really good point because you're talking about negotiating the kind of uh, polyamorous relationship that people could find themselves in depending on what they both agree on. Uh, for So one person can maybe explore on their own. So does being in a polyamorous relationship uh, necess- or with multiple people necessarily mean that sex and love are uh, a factor for each person? Uh, you mentioned poly-affective uh, relationships. So it- I mean, I kind of just, you answered my question before, but how does that work exactly? Um, If people just emotionally jive with each other Mm -hmm. and establish strong emotional bonds, then they enrich each other's lives. They provide each other with emotional support and material support and just a wider social safety net when they are close to each other that way. Um, I would say when they, pretty much everybody gets jealous at some point. There are very few people who seem not to get jealous at all, Mm -hmm. but that seems rare to me. And one of the things about doing longitudinal research is talking to the same people for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Some of them who like five or six people have told me over time that they never get jealous. And this last round of data collection, three came forward and were like, Oh my God, I got jealous for the first time and it totally sucked. Oh, it was so horrible. <laughs> and they had, you know, like so much more compassion for their partners. And they were like, Oh, this perfect storm of things happened. And they felt the jealousy that they had been, 
they'd never really experienced before. And they were like, oh, I hope I never feel that again. That was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) What kinds of things can make people jealous in a polyamorous relationship? Because, I mean, you're starting with individuals who already have um, a very open mind and are already open to the idea of sharing. Sorry, I don't want to say sharing your partner because that kind of also means that your partner is kind of maybe uh, like a possession or, or you 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 kind of own them, which I don't really love that idea of. Um, but the idea of um, having uh, their partner be with other people as well. Uh, right. So how what kind of jealousy could occur in, in those very open situations with open-minded people? Well, you know, anything from you told her either intimate things about us that I didn't want you talking about or, Mm. and that maybe you didn't know you weren't supposed to talk about, but come on, I can't believe you told her that. (laughs) Um, Or you just, you know, kind of tell her things about your day and I overheard you telling her and you didn't tell me that, you know, that kind of just like, who are you closer to emotionally kind Mm -hmm. of can come up. Um, who do you have better sex with can come up. Um, you spend more time with that person and I want more of your time comes up or um, often insecurities. Like, do you like that person better? You know, um, it's really, I would say a very steep curve at first, like that learning curve and establishing that and going through all that, you're telling her things or, you know, you seem to have better sex with him or whatever. A lot of that happens at first, like in the first few months. And if you can make it through that and everyone can establish a way to interact positively and deal with each other, then it can go pretty well. But I think a lot of relationships don't quite make it through those first few months of everybody like, what are we doing? How are we doing this? What's going on? What are you telling her? What do we, you know, what? <laughs> I can't believe you had that position with them. I thought that was our position. <laughs> cowgirl. So that brings up a really good point. Who determines those rules and boundaries? Like, is it, um, you know, if a couple is bringing in, let's say another woman um, into, and, and they want to become a triad, which is a fantasy for a lot of, you know, a lot of couples who are interested in polyamory and, how does that work? The couple maybe has a couple privilege and kind of is adding uh, a unicorn uh, to right. their relationship um, and doesn't really necessarily negotiate with her about what she might want. Um, but how does that work? So in, in most polyamorous relationships, how, who is setting these boundaries? How are they getting communicated? I would say often at first it is the couple if it's an established couple Mm -hmm. and they often have, especially if it's their first polyamorous relationship, like really unwieldy, unreasonable, (laughs) unnecessary expectations. And usually if they can't flex on that and renegotiate and be like, okay, we came in with all these expectations and that's not actually happening. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do now? If they can't get, more realistic and flex, then they're not going to make it often because they don't find the unicorn. She's, I mean, they call her the unicorn because she's so rare. And even if they find her, if they're treating her like a sex toy who doesn't have any say in what's happening in the relationship, then she's got other options, you know, like she isn't going to put up with that shit for the most part. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if they're like, oh, we came in only thinking about us, but you're an actual person. Wow, you matter. Well, what do you think are these boundaries and how do you feel about this? And what are we doing? We together. They often tend to allow much more independent dating at that point instead Mm -hmm. of having to date the couple as a couple that people can just date independently. That's a frequent move. Mm. Um in terms of becoming more realistic about what poly relationships are really like, um, they tend to emphasize having each other's best interest at heart and doing 
you know, ethical things rather than this very long list of rules that are like C section 24 B line 12, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to have time to do that when you're in the middle of having sex with someone. So if you mm-hmm. have a lot of rules about where you can't go and what you can't do and things like that, inevitably somebody's going to break those rules. Whereas if you treat each other with care and respect and ethically and understand, you know, it, it makes sense. Let's say somebody is closeted at work, which makes a lot of sense being like, it's kind of none of their business and you can get fired. So mm-hmm. maybe then not bringing all four partners to the work Christmas party, <laughs> like don't go there. That makes sense, you know, but oh, that, that restaurant where we had our fourth Valentine's day, you know, really, you need that one and 27 other restaurants in that neighborhood. So if you want to go out, the only place you can go is like 12 miles away to a freaking <laughs> waffle house. You know? like, that's just over the top. That means you don't actually want your partner to have other partners and you're trying to make it as difficult as possible mm-hmm. with all these rules or... Mm-hmm you are really insecure about it and want to control it a lot. And that just, I mean, if that's really what you're feeling, then don't do polyamory. It's not Mm -hmm. the right choice for you. Do something else. Be monogamish, you know, have an open relationship with less expectation Mm -hmm. of emotional entwinement. Like not everybody wants that. That's not a good choice for everyone. Some people want, sex and variety and not to have to negotiate, you know, who's putting the kids to bed tonight or which house do you go to for Thanksgiving or coming out at work? You know, Mm -hmm. some people just want to get their freak on and (laughs) go to work the next day and not have to talk about it. (laughs) And that is legitimate. That is fine. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that brings up a really good point that I really want to continue on in, um, right after this little break. But the idea that uh, that you could Im- be, you know, trying to impose boundaries on your partner because maybe you're really not okay with the idea of being in a polyamorous relationship. And that's, I think, maybe a, a kind of conflict that I really want to explore a little bit more in detail uh, right after this. So don't go away, everyone. You're listening to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm Lexi Silver. I'm talking to Dr. Eli Chef, and I invite you to explore your lexuality on my website, LexiSilver.com. For those of you who are just getting to know me, you'll be pleased to find my erotic stories and a variety of kinky sex toys on my site. If you dare to enter my playground, I'll treat you to 15% off anything you desire when you use promo code LexiSDC. That's L-E-X-I-S-D-C. And don't be shy. Come get lectual with me on social media. I'd love to hear from you. You'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Lexi Silver. That's Lexi with an I, Silver with a Y. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Mystery Vibe is where the best of humanity and technology combust into your pleasure. Personalized, the world's first body-adapting vibrator. Crescendo adapts, bends, wraps, and vibrates in your every curve and crevice. Use solo, duo, trio, or more. And with an app control that commands your pleasure across 12 presets. Oh, and you can even make your own vibration. Crescendo is adored by all, from feminists to Forbes. Go to mysteryvibe.com now for your pleasure. Personalized. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver, and I'm joined by Dr. Eli Sheff, PhD, researcher, expert witness, coach, speaker, ASEC certified sex educator, educational consultant, and published author. And we've been talking about polyamory. And it's been a really wild ride for me so far, learning all these different things about what a polyamorous relationship can look like and how there are so many different ways uh, a couple could venture into this. So, in, you know, in, by, by virtue of the fact that in polyamorous relationships, there are a lot of people involved, um, or a lot, even three plus, let's say. Just, you know, in a normal relationship or normal relationship with two people, there are already a host of issues that could potentially arise. Are there more issues in a polyamorous relationship just because uh, there are more people involved? Absolutely. Um, things... <laughs> There's more relationships, so it's more complicated. So um, the, if you've got a partner and their partner and you have relationships with both of them, if even if you're not having sex with your partner's partner, you're a metamor, you still, if you're polyamorous, you have a relationship with them and you probably hang out with them to some extent maybe even live together and that's going to, you know, like any roommate relationship or close friend, you know, relationships come with issues and polyamory kind of magnifies things. So the highs are Mm. really high and the lows are really low. And if people are good at it over many years, then they learn to be good resources for each other and it smooths out quite a bit. So lows happen in life, but it's not as dramatic frequently mm-hmm. as when it's just getting started and people are trying to figure each other out. You know, It tends to be smoother as people get older, I guess, which is also maybe a function of them being together for 40 or 50, however many years. <laughs> I can I can imagine it definitely magnifies uh, <laughs> potential issues. So what other kinds of conflicts could there be in a polyamorous relationship? We talked about, we touched on a couple earlier uh, about, you know, imp- imposing uh, contrived boundaries uh, on your partner. What have you noticed with couples who are engaged in polyamorous relationships? What kind of issues do they seem to have most often? Well, it's not always couples. Couples definitely are the focus of some other forms Mm -hmm. of non-monogamy. But in polyamory, people don't talk about couples. You're right. Sorry. My bad. Of course, it's more than it's couples, two people. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, As much as relationships Mm -hmm. and the issues arise in the relationship. And sometimes it is between two people. Sometimes it's within the larger context. So you'll have competing Mm -hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. You know, three people are going to want three different things. So it can be, you know, like choosing a restaurant can be a little more complicated. Choosing what to watch mm-hmm. can be a little more complicated. Just daily, like, practical things <laughs> be more complicated and lead to more conflict because there's more people chiming in. Also, use of resources is a big one. If somebody's dating a lot, it can be really expensive to go out for drinks and dinner and see movies. And, you know, if you're going out several times a week, you can easily spend a few hundred bucks a week on dating if you're going out multiple times. And if one person's doing that and the other one isn't, they're like, wait a minute, that's a lot of resources. So sometimes people have to figure out how to date for free or cheaper dates. Mm-hmm. And or the person who's not dating as much also gets resources to go do other things. They get to go on a spa day or take a weekend away with their friends or, mm-hmm. you know, like to even out the resources just so it's not just all focused on the person who's dating if there's unequal dating happening, which if you're really going to be polyamorous, you've got to be able to tolerate that. Mm -hmm. Over the long haul, people who are in a couple, sometimes one will be having three or four partners and the other doesn't have any. 
And then I check in with them five years later and it's totally changed. You know, that was, this one has two and this one's down to one or, you know, they've got to be able to let go of the kind of tit for tat mm-hmm. and just make sure everyone's feeling like they're treated equitably with the resource distribution that I think who takes care of the kids? How do you spend the money? How do you spend the time that, that yeah. families, and it's not just polyamorous families. A lot of families have those conflicts and it can be more intense with polyamorous families because there's more people. Mm-hmm. It can also be easier though, ironically, because there's more people, you've got more people to pick up the kids or drop off the dry cleaning or take a day off of work to be home with the kid who's sick or, mm-hmm. you know, you've it, more adults in the family gives you more flexibility, more people earning money, more ways to connect to health insurance, you know, a pooled resources can get you a larger and nicer home. And sometimes uh, partners have pets and the kids love that. The kids mention that, that their parents' partners come with pets sometimes. <laughs> or children of their own and that's especially great siblings oh wow it's a it's it's like a total package deal (laughs) so you're talking about resources and you did mention also energy and time and you know with more people it's already hard sometimes for people who work full-time jobs uh to have their primary partner to give them the attention that they deserve um so if you're adding more people to the mix, how can someone decide or, you know, when, when people, when uh, everyone in uh, a polycule or in a, in a polyamorous relationship are talking about how to distribute <laughs> time and energy and even sexual attention or emotional attention, how is that decided and how does that work exactly? Is that like a constant renegotiation of whether that's working or not? Uh, can that lead to burnout for people who just don't have the energy i would say google calendar saved polyamorous people's asses (laughs) when it comes to scheduling like there is a lot of scheduling that goes into maintaining a polycule Mm -hmm. scheduling um independent dates with people so people do get some one-on-one time but they often if you have multiple partners and you want to hang out that's why people hang out together a lot because there just isn't time to hang out separately all the time. Like you Mm -hmm. won't spend that much time together if you insist on being alone together. And sometimes it's very important to be alone together. You know, like only ever being together in a group gets old after a while. So Mm -hmm. that's, you know, back to the Google calendar. (laughs) They will very frequently schedule (laughs) dates between two individuals, you know, as the polycule rotates and schedule somebody else to be home with the kids while somebody else is at work. And, you know, so lots of scheduling, I would say. Um, And flexibility, being willing to shift and, you know, kind of give each other a break and help each other out. Back to what you said, what we were talking about before in terms of this isn't right for everyone. I think the people who gravitate towards polyamory really like relationships and spending time and energy on relationships. Like they're a hobby kind of relating and learning how to communicate and working on relationships and reading books about them and understanding them and, you know, like kind of feeling like they're worth a lot of time and effort to put into relationships. So if you are an Olympic athlete who trains 27 hours a day, which no one can do that, there's 24 hours. (laughs) You know what I mean. Um, You probably don't want to have a polyamorous relationship. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you want to be solo poly and be really close to people on the off season and then have no expectations of you when you're training, like you're busy. So having, uh, before going into a poly relationship, it's important to evaluate how much energy you have and are willing to devote to other people. Absolutely. It is. 
could be kind of uh, conflicting if everybody in a polyamorous relationship have different ideas and expectations about what kind of energy they have to put into each relationship. Before we get into that little break, I just want to invite all of you uh, to join over 300 SDC members for an erotic escapade on the island of Crete this May. Indulge in five nights of passion at an all-inclusive Grecian playground with daily parties at our clothing optional pools, a 24-hour inside and outside playroom, and exclusive SDC theme night parties. As you meet sexy, like-minded people in the lifestyle, you'll get pampered by the hotel's five-star service, world-class spa, multiple bars, rooftop restaurant, and nightclub to satisfy all your desires. Join us from May 8th to the 13th for our divine Greek adventure. Book your rooms now at sdc.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Craving more from your sexy lifestyle? Search our businesses, services, blogs, articles, and videos. And keep in touch with us by subscribing to our newsletter. All on thesexylifestyle.com. The Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network is where you can build a new vocabulary to talk about sex in a healthy, loving, and productive way. Discover more about yourself and your relationships from our amazing sex experts who can't wait to share their information with you. You'll learn everything you ever wanted to know about sex, sexuality, sexual pleasure, and so much more on the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Listen, learn, and live sexy. You are tuned in to Seek, Discover, Create with Lexi Silver. If you have a question or comment about the show, we'd love to hear from you via email to Lexi at SDC.com. That's L-E-X-I at SDC.com. Now back to this week's discussion. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to SDC Presents Seek, Discover, Create. I'm your host, Lexi Silver, and I'm joined by Dr. Eli Sheff, PhD, researcher, expert witness, coach, speaker, ASEC certified sex educator, educational consultant, and published author. Right before the break, we were talking about polyamory. I wanted to hear a little bit more about when it might be a good idea for a person or certain people in a polyamorous relationship to maybe evaluate that it might not be working for them and maybe take a step back. What does that look like in a polyamorous relationship? Is that an option? It can be an option and can be a really good idea if um, there's just a ton of drama all the time Mm -hmm. and it's it's really feeling toxic and upsetting and everybody's freaking out all the time. Taking a breather, I think, can be a really good move. Actually, I also suggest counseling. Mm. counseling for polyamorous relationships to figure out how to work together can be super effective. It can be hard to find a counselor who isn't judgmental about Mm. non-monogamy. Some counselors will be like, oh, well, of course you're fucked up. You know, you're (laughs) non-monogamous. So (laughs) what did you expect? Of course, (laughs) your relationship is in shambles, you know. Right. But others can be a lot more realistic, in fact, and, and be more nuanced like okay I can see how you could have some relationship challenges let's see if we can work on that Um, and that's absolutely feasible and doable and can be really helpful for non-monogamous relationships of all kinds I would say Mm -hmm. but especially for polyamory Um, and it can help people either figure out how to stay together or figure out if they don't want to be together and disconnect in whatever ways aren't working for them and stay connected in ways that are working for them. So sometimes if people are having a lot of issues about sexual jealousy, then Mm -hmm. sometimes they won't have sex anymore. And that kind of takes that off the table, but they stay emotionally connected. And sometimes that doesn't work either. You know, like sometimes (laughs) you just don't want to be connected at all. And that's totally legitimate and good to, you know, realize and be kind to each other as you separate. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like a failure or a big statement about 
who you are or what you've done or who's to blame or whatever. It can just be like, all right, you know, we tried that and it didn't work that way with that person. And I don't think we want to keep doing that. So maybe we'll do something else. Maybe we'll be monogamous or be polyamorous with someone else or try just being open or, you know, whatever. Take a break for six months. You know, sometimes people will take a period of time to be monogamous and then be polyamorous again if, like, they've just had a new baby. or But sometimes, especially in long-term polyamorous relationships, that's the very right time to have your polycule around you is when you've just had a new baby. When you need but, the support, right? Yeah, absolutely. But for other people, they don't necessarily want a lot of dating or going out or kind of external focus right after you've had a new baby. Maybe it's like, hey, can you just stay home with me and the baby and not be out until 3 a.m. four nights a week? <laughs> and that that sounds like, uh, you know, any any kind of relationship, um, no matter oh. whether it's monogamous or non-monogamous, for sure. Um, there are definitely certain life changes or, thing, or you know, moments in, in our lives where maybe we do have to uh, kind of change the way we are in our relationship just for a little while until we things kind of settle. And then we can Absolutely. get back to, you know, sledding it up if that's what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we've, you know, we've really covered a lot of potential uh, conflicts that could happen in uh, polyamorous relationships, non-monogamous relationships, and even, you know, monogamous relationships. So what advice could you give to people who are just getting started in the poly lifestyle, who want to enter into it ethically, who want to make sure that they're getting what they need out of it, that their partner's getting what they deserve out of it, their partners, rather, are getting what they need. Um, how can they go about that? What's a good way to get started? So maybe some, some really good parting advice that we could give to people. First of all, I would say be flexible and be ready for things not to work out the way you imagined it in your X-rated fantasy. Like a lot of people <laughs> think a lot about how it's going to be so perfect and erotic and who they're going to find and what that person's going to be like and get really invested in that. And then when it doesn't work out that way, they're really disappointed and they, they have a hard time reorienting so I would say approach it with a flexible attitude from the beginning mm -hmm. and see what's there first before deciding this is the way it's going to be um, also it's really easy in any kind of open relationship to think about "Ooh, I want multiple partners and I get other people <laughs> and awesome I'm totally psyched to sleep with that other person but if you've been in a in a partnership and then your partner is also going to have other partners that's not as easy for most people, I would say. It's much more fun to think about sexual variety for yourself than think about sharing someone that you love. Mm -hmm. And think deeply on that and do whatever work it takes to get yourself, you know, secure enough in yourself. If you want polyamory, then be ready to share. Be ready yourself to share and don't only focus on, oh, yay, I get to have sex with multiple people. You know, there's this other part, too. <laughs> it's very important to prepare for and think about. And, you know, that's, I guess, when I see things go wrong, like in my, my coaching practice, people come to me if they've had some difficulty with polyamory or kink. Um, often it's that they either had these staunch expectations that they weren't willing to flex on and it, the external world was not cooperating with their expectations and it was pissing them off and they weren't sure how to redo it or that um, they're having a hard time sharing. You know, they want multiple partners themselves, but having their partner be with other people is painful and difficult and they, it didn't even really occur to them somehow mm -hmm. before that that would be painful or they were so focused on the excitement of themselves that they forgot about that part <laughs> that, or it's the non-monogamy mismatch. Like I said before, mm -hmm. where one person wants monogamy and the other one doesn't. And that's very painful and difficult for the, especially the monogamous person. 
Oh, for sure. And I think whenever a a couple or multiple people are going to be potentially investing their time and energy and emotions and, 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 and physicality into a new relationship, there has to be a lot of thought about what that might look like without having the expectation that it is going to go a particular way, but just knowing, trying to, you know, have the self-awareness uh, to know what, you know, can you, can you handle jealousy? Can you handle the idea of your partner coming home uh, with another, per- another person? Uh, can you handle the idea of your partner becoming emotional? invested in somebody else. So that kind, I, I feel like I'm sure a lot of couples or people who don't really think about that in advance, I, I can imagine that could lead to lots of issues and resentment, which is not fun. Isn't the whole purpose of being in a relationship to get positive things out of it? <laughs> well, and also for people interested in polyamory, personal growth. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, yes, those feelings are coming up. I see them. And I'm putting on my big girl pants and Mm -hmm. facing them and dealing with them directly and not putting them on my partner and expecting my partner to deal with them. I'm actually doing what it takes to become secure internally. And that I think for people who are monogamous by orientation, it's not about security or insecurity. It's about just not wanting to be in a multiple partner relationship. Like that just goes against their grain. It's like petting a cat the wrong way mm-hmm. for them. They're like, no, that is not me. I don't want that. <laughs> and that, you know, if it's you want multiple partners yourself but you have a harder time sharing your partner with other people, then put your big girl pants on Mm -hmm. and learn to share. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't even interested in multiple partners yourself, then it might not be for you, like at all, on any level. Hmm. And it might not be about insecurity or you're not evolved enough or whatever kind of snotty bullshit you hear from some polyamorous <laughs> people it can be kind of nasty I mean not nasty I that's not a good word I can it just could be condescending like mm-hmm. oh if you're evolved enough you can do polyamory and <laughs> I, you know for some people it's not about evolution it's about it doesn't work for them and mm-hmm. they it just doesn't it's like asking a straight woman to be a lesbian or something you know it's just not her so and we can't, you know, be with people with the idea that we want to change them uh, or that, oh, yeah. yeah, that doesn't. <laughs> not going to work. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, uh, it can be challenging enough even when everybody really wants to do it. Yeah. You can have challenges. But when you're dragging someone along, kicking and screaming, no, that is so not going to work. Uh-uh. <laughs> no way. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much. That, that's amazing advice. Um, I'm, I, you know, if I ever find myself in a polyamorous relationship, which you know, could could happen, could happen accidentally um, or not so accidentally. Um, I will definitely think uh, about all of this and and you know proceed with caution because definitely I, you know, anybody who is who wants to enter into any kind of non-monogamous relationship has to do a lot of personal work first. So, how can people connect with you after this and find out more? about uh, all of these amazing thoughts that you have and your perspective on polyamory and so much more. My website is a great place to start. It's elizabethchef.com, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T-H-S-H-E-F-F.com. Um, on my website, you can find my books, The Polyamorous Next Door, When Someone You Love is Polyamorous, Stories from the Polycule. You can find more information about my coaching practices. I do relationship coaching and academic coaching for writers, graduate students, ghostwriting. Um, you can also connect with me on the um, Polyamorous Next Door blog on Psychology Today. They named it after my first book. Mm. Um, and yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Dr. Eli Chef. I just want to say thank you so much again. This has been such a pleasure for me and a huge learning experience. So I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for having me. It was fun. It was. We're going to end up having to do this again. I feel a part two coming Great. on. Sequel. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome. 
And thank all of you for listening as well. Tune in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Sexy Lifestyle Network for my next show. And don't forget, you can learn more about sex, health, and relationships as you seek yourself, discover together, and create moments at sdc.com. Thanks for joining me, Lexi Silver, on SDC Seek, Discover, Create. Until next time, stay lectual, people. Bye. Hey, sexy people. If you're ready to start your sexual evolution, we've got some amazing prizes to give away. Some of the great prizes include Womanizer, the most advanced pleasure product for stronger, longer, and more intense orgasms. SDC.com is giving away a lifetime membership to the sexiest online community of open-minded people. Touch from experience, warm. It warms your personal lube, then automatically dispenses it with a wave of your hand. And we can't forget Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket. Keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets. For your chance to win one of these amazing prizes, simply send us an email at info thesexylifestyle.com with the word contest in the subject line. Your name will be entered into the weekly drawing and remember to visit our website regularly for a list of the winners and more information about all the amazing prizes and sponsors. Go to thesexylifestyle.com contest page and enter as often as you like. We appreciate you joining us on Seek, Discover, Create, presented by SDC.com. Please join your host, Lexi Silver, on another erotic journey next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Sexy Lifestyle Network. Until then, may you enjoy exploring your sexuality.